Well, let's see if I can remember how to do this. On podcast 1847, Volvo joins Nax, Polestar 2 gets better, and Aston Martin joined forces with Lucid. We're trying a new thing, so you know when to expect a show. The podcast is live at 5pm UK, that's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes, though, as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Patreon supporters, look out for a refund for the last month or so that I was unexpectedly away. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information. Sorry I've been away. Like I say, it was unexpected all good now. It's Wednesday, 28th of June. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with that headline story of yet another big name joining Tesla's NACS, or NAX Connector. Or is it Tesla's NAX Connector? We'll get onto that in just a minute. Volvo has reached an agreement with Tesla to adopt NACS, otherwise known as the Tesla plug for their electric models, making it the first foreign automaker to do so. I saw some headlines saying it's the first European automaker to do so. Well, yeah, but they're Chinese, aren't they? So uh, either works for me, I guess. Starting in 2025, all new Volvos will be equipped with the NACS port the Tesla connector, enabling them to access Tesla's supercharger network in the US, Canada and Mexico, and of course all the third-party charging stations that'll be on the road in 2025. We know many of them from uh, EVgo to Kempower and ChargePoint, all saying they will offer the Tesla connector natively. Current Volvos can use an adapter to connect Tesla's chargers, which will be made available, and adapters will also be available for future models if you want to then still use the CCS connector. The US industry group, the Society of Automotive Engineers, though, have got involved, and they say they will set the standard for Tesla's EV charging cord. And this is interesting, because I've not done a huge amount of work on the SAE before. Of course, they are the ones that set the standard for the well, the current plugs in North America, and they say that they will standardise the Tesla connector and make it a proper standard. So it makes me wonder how... How much Tesla is giving up in this and how much they will hang on to, how much control Tesla will retain. This article, this statement, this press release from the SAE uh, implies it's now theirs. They say that they will take control of it. They have decided uh, the news The news comes a few weeks after Ford, GM, Rivian and now Volvo, as I say, announced that they will use the Tesla NACS, the North American Charging Standard connector. SAE said they will work on the standard, which will include include cybersecurity, charging speed, and reliability. Now, you see, I get it that it has to become a standard, and I get that SAE, uh, often these organisations uh, tend to operate by committee. I get it, but there's nothing wrong with a Tesla connector as it is. So, great that they're going to work on cybersecurity and charging speed and reliability. That's all sorted, thanks. None of it's an issue with the Tesla connector. They work reliably and they're really, really quick. But I'm only joking. Well, I'm half joking. Uh, of course, it needs to be a standard if all the other car makers are going to use the Tesla connector and people like me are going to stop calling it the Tesla connector. The US Joint Office of Energy and Transportation uh, say they're going to work with the SAE to improve the US charging infrastructure by undertaking the Tesla connector as the new standard, SAE is also lending its public key infrastructure technology uh, to a cons- 
consortium of groups called ChargeX, which uh, the Department, uh, the Office of Energy and Transportation, have set up to move EV infrastructure forward in the US. So it seems like a good idea, I think. I get it needs to be done, I guess. Now let's talk about the Lotus Electra. Uh, they have released specifications and pricing for the European launch of the electric SUV. Three different versions will hit the market. The base and the S models will have 603 horsepower and a driving range of 373 miles on the European WLTP cycle. There's the Electra R, which has a dual-speed transmission, a bit like the Porsche Taycan, the Audi e-tron GT, and has 905 horsepower little less range, still over 300 miles though. And the pricing for the base model starts at 90,000 UK pounds. The Electra goes on sale or is available this uh, late summer, they say, and it will have 350 kilowatt DC fast charging with a maximum charge rate of 350, not just something a little bit less, but you know, car makers use that shorthand of 350. It will be, that will be the peak Speed. Uh, the high-end vehicle comes with, like I say, dual motor, all-wheel drive, adaptive air suspension, active anti-roll bars, four-wheel steering, all the bells and whistles. I can't find the weight, but it's going to be really heavy, which is almost the antithesis of what a Lotus is. But they had to reinvent themselves, I guess. Another company going through somewhat of a reinvention is Aston Martin, partnering with Lucid on EVs. They're partnering with Lucid Group for EV technology and will gain access to Lucid's powertrain and battery technology. Aston Martin's all-new battery electric vehicle platform will be based around the Lucid technology. The platform developed by Aston Martin will form the basis of the company's entire future EV model range, everything from a hypercar to an SUV. Aston Martin plans for its core range to be fully electric by 2030, and the company aims to establish a single bespoke BEV platform suitable for all of their future products. Aston Martin plans to create an electric SUV and then three electric sports cars with the top one, not that we know what it is, but they say they're aiming for 1,500 horsepower. Wow! Uh, Tesla will, uh, sorry, Lucid will receive $132 million as part of the cash deal, and they get almost a 4% stake in Aston Martin as part of this deal for Aston to bring in Lucid's technology. And the first Aston Martin pure electric car will be on sale in 2025, so two years away from that. And it all makes sense, because Aston Martin needed to go to the market. They can't develop it themselves, let's face it. They have to go to the market and get the batteries and the tech. Lucid is... I think, a really complimentary company to go with. The Lucid technology is really good. Lucid aren't very good at selling Lucid cars. They haven't seemed to set the world alight in terms of their marketing messaging. And although I'm a huge fan, I love the tech videos that Peter Rawlinson makes. I really adore how much information they share. I'm a huge fan of the innovation there. They've got some of the best and brightest minds in the world working on their vehicles. For whatever reason... They don't seem to have been able to create the hype that Rivian and Tesla and, and Ford with the F-150 and Chevy Silverado, we'll talk about that this week, have all managed to create, sort of stop the internet at times. And Lucid doesn't seem to have been able to do that. So maybe they'll just become a tech partner who also make cars for lots of other car makers. Really interesting to think about. All right, moving on. Polestar 2 is next in the news. And the Polestar 2 will get multiple hardware improvements with a 20% increase in range, 9% reduction in energy consumption, and a third faster speeds if you get the Polestar 2 
2023 model year. The performance upgrade for Polestar 2 is a physical hardware improvement. They've just got better stuff in the car. More efficient and more refined power delivery, they say. Uh, While continuously refining the vehicle since its launch, Polestar say they've managed to create a better product and lower their carbon footprint, and they will continue reducing that, they say, uh, while the vehicle gets better. Fisker, next in the news, and they launch US deliveries of their electric SUV, the Ocean One. The first 22 of them. I mean, this isn't this isn't a boatload, let's face it, but it probably was on a boat, <laughs> come from Austria, <laughs> and handed over to customers. Only 22 of them, but you got you got to start somewhere, right? So uh, the first 22 Californian customers now have their Fisker Ocean One, although the company has aimed to make the deliveries by the 19th of June. They had some delays. Extra deliveries continue over the summer, they say. By the end of the year, Fisker hopes to have made 42,000 of these things. Uh, And the Ocean Extreme, which has got the 113 kilowatt hour battery pack, 360 miles of range, is coming in at 69,000 thousand dollars i've yet to drive the ocean the fisker ocean and i know a a friend good friend um bob who has one on order here in the uk right hand drive uk and uh, i can't wait to see it that's going to be uh, some very interesting when he finally gets his his fisker i thought the right hand drive versions would be a long way off but uh no uh, no apparently they are being made now let's talk kia ev9 another vehicle that's got so many people really excited the kia ev9 first european pricing revealed us pricing expert msrp expected to be similar kia has announced the starting european price for their three row all-electric SUV, the EV9. It starts at €61,975. The battery, 100 kilowatt hours. That's uh, obviously you've got to have taxes taken into account. That doesn't apply with the US. You've got conversion rates as well. It's expected the base version with the big battery uh, will start at about US$68,000. The EV9 is based on the EGMP platform with three powertrain configurations and I think that's about the right price for a really big SUV that's got loads of people very excited. And staying, finally, before we take a little breaky-poo, staying with that company and Hyundai, obviously Hyundai, Kia, Genesis, all one company, Hyundai's CEO is touting a new EV platform, even mentioning a pickup, unveiling their plans called the EM platform, stylized lowercase e, uppercase m, just in in case you're wondering. Uh, It's going to underpin 13 models. The architecture can, they say, uh, plug and play with 80 common modules and will serve every different vehicle segment and size. And it can encompass all vehicle classes, they say, including everything from a full-size all-electric pickup, uh, everything down to a much smaller vehicle. Hyundai say they plan to sell 2 million EVs annually by 2030. That's uh, a, a, a slight rise. That is about 1.9 million was their previous 2030 target, their annual production. Right, stick around. Coming up, we'll be talking BYD. Nissan Leaf gets a 2024 model year. <laughs> Still around. And Volkswagen with their ID1. Stick around. Those stories and more. They're on the way. If you'd like to get this podcast without adverts, you can sign up to uh, Patreon. Um, although, don't do it uh, just yet. I think it bills you at the end of the month. So maybe wait a couple of days and then sign up on the first of the month and you get like a month free. I'm not sure how it works, but uh, uh, you can do that. Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash EV News Daily. Back in a sec. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Spain offering some income tax rebates for EV buyers. Spain is offering a reimbursement of 15% of income tax to people who buy an EV before the end of the year to encourage the take-up. The rebate is part of an anti-inflation package worth 10 billion euros aimed at consolidating the investments underway in Spain to move to e-mobility. The maximum income tax deduction is 22,000 US dollars equivalent, and uh, the Prime Minister there confirming the plan and stating that the policy has already been included in this new submission to the European Commission. BYD's Dolphin will make a splash, pardon the pun, in the UK, Australia and New Zealand. It's uh, an EV hatchback, the Dolphin, and it's arriving in the UK, Australia and New Zealand with competitive pricing. Now, here in the UK, it starts at £24,500. That's really good. So if you want an EV and you don't mind the badge on the front, much like uh, we've got the, we've still got the MG. I've got to sell the MG. Um, With the MGZS, we've still got that. And if you don't mind where it's made or who makes it, my wife doesn't care, um, then it's great to have a BYD with certainly not only one of the most affordable EVs in its class, but one of, I think, at 25 grand, one of the most attractive vehicles in its price band. Because, yeah, you can get diesels and petrols cheaper, but you had running costs in, you had the excitement of having that electric power, and 25 grand is a really good starting point point uh, for the BYD Dolphin. Also entering New Zealand and Australia, like I mentioned, Aussie, 39,000 Aussie dollars and uh, about 50k in New Zealand. Right, the Nissan Leaf has got a 2024 model year and it's the same as it is at the moment. Uh, God, that vehicle's been around since such a long time. 2012, was it? Now, I know a few years ago, 2018, 2019, the Nissan Leaf got its refresh, and it looked very, very different. And it was to look at until you realise that many of the bits of the running gear and under the skin were still the original car. That is 12 years old now, that car, plus, uh, on a 2024 model. Maybe 10 years old. What is it? Uh, Nissan Leaf. My memory is failing me, but the 2024 Leaf will carry on in the US and it's going to be $29,200 for the 40 kilowatt hour lithium-ion battery, 150 miles of range on that. Or you get the SV Plus version with the 60 kilowatt hour battery and 212 miles of range. And yeah, a base version starting at $29,000 is all well and good, but still putting the Chatamo plug on I mean, even if they're putting the CCS plug on, we'd say it's probably going to be outdated pretty soon because everyone's moving to the Tesla connector. But no, they got their Chatamo. They're quite happy. Look, in all seriousness, if you need a vehicle to get around and you are going to fast charge occasionally and Chatamo doesn't bother you and you can get a stellar deal with some incentives, maybe state level as well. Look, the, the Leaf is, I think, still a very attractive option. Decent sized car, decent level of tech on it. It's a little long in the tooth now, but they're still going with it. Uh, Nissan Leaf in Europe has added a new variant called the Shiro, S-H-I-R-O, based on the N-Connector, and it's got the driver assistance package, it's got some leather trim, it's got the 40 kilowatt hour battery, and it starts at £28,495, made in Sunderland, of course, here at the Nissan plant in the northeast. 
Volkswagen are next in the news, and VW is developing an electric ID1. That's a small hatchback that will cost under £17,000 and will be the most affordable possible way of getting on the road. It has a bespoke EV platform, bespoke platform, uh, distinct from the MEB platform shared by things, you know, the Cupras and the Skodas. The ID1 will sit below the production version of the ID2, which I've been talking about recently. They want to sell that for about £22,000. This is going to be a £17,000 car, very much a spiritual successor to the UP or the E-UP. And again, if you get to that smaller size vehicle, a small city car, price is everything and you will get the petrol version much, much cheaper if you're not worried about EV. But if you want to go EV, that'll be one of the best ways to do it. Their first ever in-house battery cells as well, because hopefully by then the Valencia plant will be making VW's own batteries and that can help hit the price point. But it's not all good news at VW because they're scaling back their EV production temporarily, though, reducing the production of electric models, including the ID4 and the early production of the ID7. It's happening in Germany at the Emden plant and... Holidays happen all the time. Line workers always have breaks. Uh, that short break is being extended a little bit. Uh, head of the Works Council uh, said that the demand for EVs is below the original planned production figures, hence the extended shutdown. But hopefully nothing too serious happening there. Let's talk charging next and Stellantis. Launching a new EV charging and energy management business. Free to move. Oh, free to move charge is the first thing they're ready to announce and it will cover all aspects of how Stellantis customers charge their EVs. Uh, a mobile app, vehicle software fully integrated in the car, which will handle management, payments, navigation, starting the charge, and also home charging options as well. Partnerships with third-party charging companies provide better access to those charges and hopefully locking in partnerships, they say, with EV charging firms in Europe and the US to provide more coverage for those Stellantis vehicles. But no news yet on Stellantis having the next connector. Now, Genesis are doing really well in Germany. The electric GV70 was ranked number one in the German automotive magazine Autobuilds, beating out German-made cars like the Audi Q8 e-tron and the Mercedes-Benz EQE. The GV70 scored really well on things like powertrain and eco-friendliness and affordability. Uh, power output of the GV70, 320 kilowatts. That's uh, about 400 miles, uh, no, 400 kilometers, <laughs> easy, uh, 400 Ks on a single charge. What's the battery in the GV70? 77 kilowatt hours, I think. In addition to their recent rankings in Germany, uh, they also scored some auto build awards recently as well. So the Germans loving their Genesis cars. Now, not such good news for Lordstown Motors, the uh, the EV truck company famously backed by Donald Trump. It's uh, unfortunately uh, gone into Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection today. The company's main product was the Endurance pickup truck with the uh, in-wheel hub motors, uh, famously, of course, backed by Trump. A Pence was rolled out and did a big speech in their factory as well. Really odd company to throw all of their weight behind. And, well, unfortunately, it didn't work. They have a dispute with Taiwan's Foxconn, and now they said they're suspending negotiations with Foxconn and going into bankruptcy. What a shame that the uh, Donald Trump effects... uh, couldn't work its magic or whatever happens there. Um, or maybe that's exactly what happens to everything that, uh, that he touched more recently. He seems to be having a, a tough time. 
Poor chap. Shell is seeing a rise in European EV range confidence. They're releasing results of their EV driver survey, and it reveals the EV drivers in Europe have more confidence in the range of their car. Only 14% of drivers interviewed refrain from taking longer journeys once they buy an EV. They spoke to 25,000 drivers in key European markets, and the report outlines the business opportunities that are out there for suppliers and retailers if they want to get involved in EV charging. But I think, my friends, Tesla has stolen a march on you there. They're going to be uh, loads of, in the next couple of years, cars all adding that Tesla connector, all able to charge on superchargers, all paying Elon a bit of extra money. Um, If I were petrol stations, uh, I would certainly, you know, in the short term, business is good. Long term... Things don't look so rosy. Again, what a shame. Let's talk about a couple of things, actually. I thought I'd finish off. Got time on the podcast, uh, just over 20 minutes. Europe's second largest truck maker has been weighing in on the future of how we'll power our heavy goods vehicles. And they say, oh, yeah, hydrogen? Yeah, that's not going to happen. In Europe, the company says a need for over 20,000 hydrogen stations would be needed on trunk roads and motorways by the end of the decade in just seven years' time, six years' time soon, to enable just a third of logistics to be powered that way. And they estimate that green hydrogen is both too expensive, uh, about four to five times what their customers would even be willing to pay, and that hydrogen is very much still a specialist need. They have electric trucks at MAN, or is it MAN? I don't know. And... They've also had some some money, I think, some subsidies coming in from the Bavarian state government to help build their battery stuff out as well. And finally, well, here's a story. It's a little sad, but it should be celebrated. John Goodenough. John Goodenough was the co-creator of the lithium-ion battery. He enabled mobile phones, computers, and, of course, electric cars. And sadly, John Goodenough passed away at 100 years old a couple of days ago, and he was the Nobel Prize winner in chemistry in 2019 for his development of the lithium-ion battery, and instrumental in making it uh, commercially uh, available. The award recognised his lifetime of work, and I'm sad to say he passed away, I think it was over the weekend, actually, Saturday or Sunday. 100 years old, grand age, grand age, and what a man, what a, uh, a change that he empowered the rest of us uh, to make with lithium-ion batteries. Wow. Okay, thank you so much for listening today. That's our podcast. It's back. Did, did you miss it? It's okay to say no. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts. He runs Electric Future at EF.energy. Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati. Audi of Cincinnati East. Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East. National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's got a brilliant channel, EV Review Ireland, uh, his YouTube channel, and Octopus electroverse global public charging made simple with one app and one map and our latest sponsor lease plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance ev drivers need thanks for listening i'll see you soon how does this podcast end again oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no such thing as a self-charging hybrid 